0: moment and pray as I begin to share God's Word. Father, I humble myself before you, and I recognize that in and of myself, I have nothing good to say, but through the power of the Holy Spirit that I believe is here, God the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would speak through me, give to each and every individual here what they need today, and Lord, let that carry with them throughout this week. I pray it's in Jesus name and all God's people said amen amen. Amen. I did some last minute changes here because I was just actually way too much stuff and there's actually an illustration that I won't share this week uh, but Lord willing here soon we have Rex next week as we know but this is the eighth week in our series and I don't feel the need to just kind of get through this because I really feel it's speaking to many people. And many have responded how God is working in and through their lives. I mean, people are being filled with the Holy Spirit just through this message. Amen. I've had people contact me and they prayed in the Spirit the first time Amen. just by listening. Nobody laying hands on them, speaking in tongues. <laughs> yeah. Stuff's happening. So, so you need to be dialed in and know. And we want to talk today about uh, how the enemy comes in to snatch the Word of God. In our life, and so our foundation verses—excuse me, foundation uh, verses—Mark chapter four, uh, Mark chapter four, uh, verses one through twenty. For the sake of time today, I won't go through it. But as we resume again after Rex, I will. uh, uh, Talked about the parable of the sower, sower that sows the word of God, and we talked about while many of us at times feel like the word isn't working in our life. Of all the promises, week after week, we hear the word of God. It seems like in many ways, we're just not changed. And and I want to be changed. Can I get an amen? Amen. I want to be conformed to the image of Christ. Do you not? Amen? And we said this uh, each week, that a spiritual person is a person who lives according to and is led by their born-again spirit instead of their body or soul. And so we just have this real elementary visual up here. All right, about spirit, soul, and body. And uh, we're using that to help illustrate uh, what we're talking about. And we said this too about uh, our spirits that when our priorities and our affections are out of order, our whole life can be out of order. Right. And I think about how many of you know, busyness is the sin that nobody criticizes? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, Amen. Uh, Our calendars are full, but our lives are empty. Amen. 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 And, uh, you know, misplaced priorities, ineffections, uh, that's what the enemy wants us to be, just empty but full with busyness. And people are burning out. They're frustrated. And so we talked about, uh, I won't get into all of it, but we went through each of these illustrations uh, with the spirit soul in the body and we said this that our unsaved soul when we become a believer in Christ when you receive Christ in your life it's not something you just kind of mental assent to you have to invite God into your life okay you're not just born as a baby saved you're born heading to hell Right. I don't know if anyone's ever told you. That's that right. cute little beautiful baby, that smile, all those dresses or nice uniforms you put him in. He's cute, But he has that Adamic sin nature. That's right. And when they come to an age of accountability, which I don't know, and many of us don't know, but G- God knows, they understand right and wrong. Some of them it's in their teenage years. Some of them it's the elementary. Some of them in their 30s, 40s. I, I don't know. But they come to that age, they have a point where... They must choose. You must choose to invite God in your life. It's called conversion. You need to be converted. Yes. That's right. You need to be converted. And I don't I don't want to minimize that because there's a mindset and a teaching just say in the upper Midwest that we're all God's children. We're all gonna make no the only people that are gonna be in hell, which I wish it was true, was the devil and his demons. But there are there is some evil that is out there. Yes. All right, and there are people that are just full of the enemy and they have given over their soul to the work of the devil. It, it, we see it on the news all the time. And I'm thinking, how are these atrocities happening? Because people gave themselves over, their soul, to, and their body manifests that. Their body manifests that. So, so, so really your soul, the mind, will, and emotion is what's going to decide. You in your spirit, man or woman, may just say, you know what? I want to serve God. I want it. Paul talks about that in Romans when he says that I desire to. But what is this part of me still that that fights that? It's the soul. It's the soul. And I hope that's helpful for many of you because you just think uh, once I get saved, I should just be, everything should be fine. And you find out that you still struggle with many issues, but you can still live a victorious life. But you have to understand how to deal with the enemy and renew your soul. To the word of God. Can I get an amen? amen? And so, really, it's the deciding factor. And I said this if you don't engage the battle to keep your relationship with God alive, you're gonna lose it, that relationship. And for sure, you will live a defeated life. Yes. You'll walk around defeated. And we said that your body serves whoever's in control, and, right. and, and, and we talked about that. And so, uh, our text, Mark chapter 4, Mark 4, 5, uh, 14 and 15. And it talks about how the sower went out and sown the word. And then Jesus begins to explain in this parable. And he said, these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. Right now, the word is being sown. Amen. It is. It's being sown. Yep. And uh, when they hear, somebody shout here, hear. Satan does what? Immediately. Somebody shout immediately. 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 Right now, while I'm speaking, Satan's trying to disrupt the word of God. Because some of you, your minds are somewhere else. and you just keep looking straight forward and pretend to be spiritual, (laughs) when they hear, immediately Satan comes and he does what? He snatches or takes the word which is trying to be sown in their hearts. Here's the thing. A man didn't say this. An apostle didn't say this. God said this. God Almighty said this. Like, wow, I thought that word was so powerful. It is powerful. That word is so powerful. It can change whole communities in nations. But a Satan comes immediately and we know that he is the enemy of God and he works constantly on God's human creation where he has easy access when it comes to the things of the world. Why? Why? What's the problem? The problem and the weakness is our desire for the things of this life and that's understandable. How many of you know that, What I shared earlier, we're born into a fallen state. Bible talks about that. So it is in our nature, in our desire uh, to do the things and to desire the things of this life and to reject, in a sense, the things we can't see. Man, listen, unless I can see like Thomas. Remember Thomas, doubting Thomas? Well, the story of the end of Thomas is he went to India and preached the gospel. And doubting Thomas was not doubting Thomas anymore. But in the moment, we remember doubting Thomas, and it's written about him. But Thomas evangelized still to this day certain segments and in, in, in regions in India, and they're still, in, in the midst of Hinduism, a solid Christian region because of one man that went in almost 2,000 years ago. That's the power of the Word of God. Can you say amen? And so, so here's the thing. We reject the things we cannot see. So when the Word is preached and it's heard unconsciously, that word is sent through our own personal filter. And if something is said, doesn't align. And even if the, the pastor says something at 58 years old that misspoke, didn't mean to say it, like one time, I accidentally said, now hear me, this was 15 years ago, <laughs> but I, every week I had to, what did I say? But I, I, I said something where Satan is more powerful than God. How many of you know that's a lie? Right. I meant to say, all right, that's in my heart, that God is all powerful. This individual took that, and they thought, this church isn't preaching the truth. Of all the years I've been pastoring and saying contrary, but Satan used that in that person's mind. They were offended. I didn't mean it. Now, I know none of you has made a mistake in your communication. (laughs) Think of every single week for your whole life. (laughs) you got... Can I get an amen and a little of God bless you, pastor? (laughs) So, but this is what the enemy does. And um, he's able to steal the word of God out of the ears of the hearts of many. And I said last week, by deception, somebody shout deception. And we said that the thing about deception that it's deceiving, the person believes that they're right. They believe that they're right. And so it's a way of thinking that when the word of God is preached and and it's... uh, a penetrating and breaking through the twisted thinking, because that's the power of the word. Watch this. The hardness. Somebody shout hardness. hardness. The hardness of the hearts, it acts as a barrier, and people don't receive it. Right. What hardens the heart? Sin does. Yes. Sin hardens our heart. Sin causes hearts to grow hard. Especially continual, watch and unrepentant Sin. Now, 1 John 1, 9, we know says if we confess our sins, yeah. he is faithful and just to forgive us. And what? To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you have an advocate to go to the Lord daily, sometimes hourly. I don't know. Whatever it takes to say, Lord, forgive me. I want my heart to be soft. I don't want to have a hard heart. Sin hardens our heart towards the things of God. Yeah. And we, yeah, I don't want to. I don't know. Well, you know, I mean, sin is really at the root of that. Amen. I'm not just talking about, you know, having an understanding about something, but how sin is there. And then the other thing is, you know, pride does it too. Pride causes our hearts to be hardened. Obadiah, uh, verses 3 and 4 talks about that, how pride in our life can do that. And so, and so here's the thing. I don't know if we left off at of this or that or where we're at, but there are millions. Somebody say Millions. Millions of people, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people. They hold ways of thinking close to their hearts, but they're terribly deceived. Terribly deceived. First John 3.8 says this, that the Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. So that's why Jesus came, to break that power of the soul which had ascendancy over their spirit, our spirits since the fall in the beginning. Jesus came and broke and said, now you're not a victim. I give you the authority now to lead by the spirit man or woman to not have your body and your soul control you. Amen. But you still, you got to reckon it dead because yep. it'll rear its ugly head. <laughs> it will show up. Can I get an amen? So, so destroy. And so we need to have a sober awareness that s- Satan, he is constantly working. The Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices and that Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil. Because Why? One of the major works of the devil is this right here. He is fierce opposition to the word of God when that word is preached. Fierce opposition. The Bible says immediately he takes away the word. And I have said this before. So how can this Bible, the word of God, which is so powerful, uh, be taken away so quickly, so simply it seems when it is preached? God said it can happen. And I just, I'm amazed at it. And I actually looked up that word in the Greek immediately. It's euthalos. It actually means at once and straightway and directly. Wow. I thought he was a defeated foe. He is. But if he has ground in your soul, come on, in your spirit, in your will, if he has ground in there, he could, everything, you could hear the most amazing word preached and dismiss the whole thing. Hallelujah. Amen, somebody. Now, I want you to notice how he does this, Matthew 13, 19. So another uh, corresponding in the Gospels in Matthew now from Mark, it's talking about the same parable, and he brings out something different. Anyone who hears the word of the kingdom regarding salvation and life and does not understand, so we have another uh, enlightenment. So Satan comes and takes things away when you don't understand. And the evil one comes and snatches. Somebody said snatch, That's it. He snatches the word of God that was sown in the heart. That's a work of the enemy. He snatches. And we said this, that in this parable of the four types of soil, 25% we see an active play of the enemy. Satan is directly involved. He's stealing the word before the seed is sown in soil, stealing the word. So in other words, you could say that there is blockage. In that individual, there's blockage in their heart. They, you could be sitting in church week after week, year after year, and there is a blockage in your heart. There's a blockage in your mind, and that comes to fruition someday, and everybody knows, because you had not, you had not allowed the Word of God to penetrate, to penetrate. You know, when I think about blockages in the heart, and some, in the many years in my life, I feel just foolish. Not not allowing the word to work, and it, I I like it, the illustration of planting grass seed. anybody in here plant grass seed before? There's some you know Jerry, some of you guys are real good grass seed planters, and Steve and them they know how to. You know uh, I've done it because I've had all you know these houses and I plant lawns, but and I really try. I mean I I rake you know get all the rocks out and I I really try, but. It, it just seems like always that grass comes up in there's blotches and spots where, and how many know what I'm saying? Yeah. But the biggest culprit in many of the cases is the birds come. The birds come and eat the seed. Now watch this. The birds come. And uh, the question I have is are you keeping the birds off your seed? Now in the natural, to, to combat that, there are some things, and these guys would probably have... Uh, uh, better ideas than this, but I just thought of a few. You can use straw and wet it. Uh, You can have motion sprinklers so when the birds come, talking about the birds coming and stealing, there are fake predators and decoys you can set up. I actually saw this one guy and he had a a YouTube video and I think it was the Vikings and the Green Bay Packers, they stuck helium football balloons in his yard to scare the birds away and it seemed like it worked. At least that worked. (laughs) He actually, yeah, anyhow, the point is it takes work. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes concentration on our part to keep the birds off the seed. Are you listening this morning? And so the question is, are the birds eating your seed? Jesus warned that Satan seeks to snatch the word away when it is sown. In other words, Satan comes in and he swoops in Uh, like birds, and he snatches the seed, grabbing the word of God before it ever takes root in the lives of the hearer. And, uh, you know, the thing about seeds I've I've learned, and i like to say, I don't know much, but, you know, seeds have a shelf life. And some seeds last, you know, two years, uh, some up to 16 years, like some certain tomato plants, and they can just last that long. You know what that tells me, illustrative, about the word of God? That even though that little child that's in nursery right now or in Sunday school learning, there are seeds putting in their life that they may draw on in 15 years from now. Amen. Come on, when they're in a desperate situation and they're just thinking, they're, I'm going to whatever. And I don't, you know, my life is not, God forbid, we don't want that. But God forbid those seeds that are sown even now, this is why we do what we do. This is why church is so important. This is why the the word of God being preached is so powerful. Those seeds have a shelf life, but then there's a point you've got to get new seed. I said you got to get new seed. All right. Let me just continue on here. I'll get, get cut off here in a, in a moment when uh, towards the end we we'll pray. But but uh, so so seeds have a shelf life and. And, uh, you know, we we said this, that uh, Satan, he steals the word of God. So I want to just quickly, I'm going to really go through this quickly, how Satan comes and immediately to to swoop in and to snatch uh, the seeds of God's word. How does he do it? How does he do it? So just some practical things, just observations. This is nothing new, but hopefully can just bring uh, some light to it here this morning. Number one, he diverts preachers from ever sowing the word of God in the first place. I know of preachers that have been put in by congregations that the guy is not even saved. I know that for a fact. In other words, they're not even born again. How is that going to help you? <laughs> How is that word going to be preached? Or, or you know, he, he's not alarmed by great, you know, orators, you know, it, it, that can speak, and that, but they never get into the Bible. They never share the word of God or very rarely. And how many know that it is the word of God that makes Satan flee? It isn't a nice hairdo. Thank God for nice hair. Nice clothes or fancy shoes. Come on, somebody. None of that, none of that bothers Satan. All right? So he diverts preachers from ever sowing the word of God in the first place. And that's why it's so important to have your family under cover of a church that proclaims the truth and there are I know uh, uh, there's all new pastors now in this community but I know some of them and and many of them you know love the lord and they're endeavoring to preach the truth in these good churches of this community thank god Amen. okay you need to thank God for that in in other communities and and, and so so you know, you, but you need to be under that you don't go to a church just because grandma and grandpa went and you go there because well <clears throat> You know they went there. No, you go because the Lord led you to that place, and you want to be fed, and you want to be under cover of what the Lord has for you. Number two, He uses distractions to keep us from hearing the Word. How many know stuff happens during the church service? Bibles drop, phones go off. You know what I mean? Anything. He will use what? What? You know? And there may have been a point. That's why you have to. You really you have to take a posture. You have to lean in. When I was at Christ for the Nations in Bible school. Every 11 o'clock throughout the week, they had a general session. So you have classes from 7 30 to whatever. At 11 o'clock to about noon, 12.30, they would have a guest speaker in. And some of them were just controversial because maybe of the things I didn't understand at that time. Many of them were great preachers that, uh, uh, if I said the names of some of them today, you thought, wow, we, we were really blessed as a school to have them. Every single one of them, I had this posture. I may not like his delivery, but I could learn something from him. Yeah. So I'm going to lean in. Uh, can I get an amen? I'm going to lean in. I'm going to take away some type of nugget. God has a nugget. Now, they you may not, you know, uh, been at the top of their game, but, but I received from all of them. All right? And so, so stuff happens, you know, phones ring, doors open. Uh, but the enemy uses anything to block the word of God. Number three, he magnifies our worries and he magnifies anxiety in our life. And And I thought about defining worry it means repeated negative thoughts, feelings, or mental pictures typically surrounded in actual future circumstance. Hmm. Sounds like our world today. Worry. Now, let me just say this about basic worry and anxiety. I mean, and anxiety really, the, at its core, lies control. That that's really the core of anxiety. <clears throat> you feeling out of control? But but in a, in a, in themselves, basically, worry and anxiety, they're not sinful. Um, and how many know? At times, it can be a good thing. Having a sense is even a gift from God, especially in response to danger. Yeah. Oh, I need to you know be a little bit concerned. I'm concerned about the situation, so I need to remove myself. How many hear what I'm saying? So please understand you got to temper these things heaven. All worry and all anxiety is bad. It's not true. Even Jesus in the garden. All right? Before he's being crucified, he had tremendous stress, can you imagine? To the point where blood is coming with his sweat dripping. There's actually a medical term with that. Actually happened without sin, but he he was under tremendous stress and even prayed, what? If this cup could pass. But not my will, but your will be done. For him to even voice that, you can see part of the the soul, which you know he would, he didn't have a, uh, uh, the seed of Adam in him, but you could see his humanness in all of that. Uh, but there comes a time when worry and anxiety can, can become a sin. It's what, when does that happen? It's when we choose to listen to those voices over the voice of God, and we don't put the Lord first, and so. All of us at times, myself included, we, we wrestle with worry and anxiety. But here's what the enemy does this is where it can become sin. He overwhelms us with worry, so we don't hear anything else. <laughs> All we hear is the problem, and then we're going down. You don't understand. Calm down, calm down. I got to talk some sense into you. No, it's not the end of the world. The apocalypse is not happening. Amen. Some of you like to live in that state. It's, it's any moment, you know. And God bless them too. I, you know, there's end times teaching and we're getting more and more things out there that are like, wow, okay. And, but, you know, when you, you, if you meet with somebody and the first thing and they shake your hand is, Jesus, come back any moment. I'm like, okay. Uh, uh, there are billions of people that still haven't heard. But, okay, he could come back and I could be wrong. But, friends, we may be here 200 more years. some of you think oh god no i thought for certain after i got married and had kids he's coming i thought that too before i met my wife now i'm an empty nester to kids well one child is back (laughs) hallelujah (laughs) how many with me say amen. amen so and so what happens in those moments we don't hear anything else and then he steals the word he steals the word number four He intensifies relationship divisions in the church. Someone shout offenses. This is an easy game. He has always been about dividing the people of God. And few few things uh, block our listening like rising feelings in a church of anger or bitterness towards someone in the worship center. He said or she said and they did that. And, you know, our staff is reading a book that is actually a reprint but he added some things to it. Uh, It's by Craig Rochelle. Lead like it matters. It being the presence of God and and there are other components he talks about. And he lists seven qualities found in God's people in his church that have it. And I just went through it and I thought, you know what, we're going through this as a staff. And uh, one, one of them is vision, divine focus. These are which are in God's people and in God's house in a very healthy church. Okay, so I can say it that way in a real basic way. They have innovative minds. Um, they have a willingness to fall short and get back up. Amen? And, and people are okay. They, they love them. And they, come on now, yeah. not walking around judging, man, well, who is she? Uh, what is, you know, they, no. I just, I, you know, and uh, they, they, they have an outward focus. We got to keep thinking of missions and, and what God wants to do. And, uh, they possess a kingdom-mindedness. Heavenly mindedness. All right. They don't walk around like, what's going on? I don't know. know. They understand that God is involved in what's happening and it's eternal. But the one quality I believe is extremely vital. And I see this in our church. But I pray it increases. And it's this. Unmistakable camaraderie. I got your back. You You may even be wrong. You know what? Your heart's right. I got your back. You know, when I spent, uh, we would be deployed while I was in the military, and you're with a, a unit, your company, whatever, your platoon. And many times it's just, you know, 30, 50 guys, and sometimes around 12, even 15, we'd go out to certain places. We're on sea, we're on boats together, we're on land together, we go to another country. And then when we get back, we we're back at Camp Lejeune, there was just this amazing camaraderie with these guys, like, you just, you just kept hanging around them. It's like going on a missions trip. And the first week you're back after the missions trip, how many of you have been on a missions trip? You know what I'm talking about? The first week you're back, is just like, are we supposed to be staying together? No, you have homes to go to. There's something about that that is electrifying. And it's, those who are in the military understand what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. There's that camaraderie. And you know you may have different opinions or whatever these guys even fight while they're on trips you know and they're overseas like break it up you guys but they're close camaraderie they stick together i thought that what is camaraderie it's a spirit of trust goodwill among the people closely associated in an activity or endeavor it's brotherhood it's real friendliness it's great fellowship it's a i got your back brother or sister i got you it's not what can I get out of church. I'm gonna to come to heart. What am I? What are you gonna give me? What am I gonna to get today? I didn't get something today, and so you know I didn't really get. No, it's what can I give? Who can I minister to today? How can I help and bless others? Who's hurting in here today? Who needs what? I heard what they didn't have. What? Wait a minute. How can I minister? Amen. Thank you for those two. That's good. Amen. <laughs> Unmistakable camaraderie. You know, when I think about it, in an evil way, the Tower of Babel, the people with one language, had unmistakable camaraderie. And watch what they did. The Bible says in Genesis eleven six. And the Lord said, behold, God is speaking now. And the Lord said, behold, speaking about humanity. <clears throat> they are one unified people. They all have the same language. In other words, yes, they spoke the same language. I don't know what it was, but they spoke the same language. And so there's something about us speaking the same language that that's passed on down through the church, unmistakable camaraderie. And God says this, this is only the beginning of what they will do in rebellion against me. So this is the evil, but the power of it. And now no evil thing they imagine they can do will be impossible for them. So on the negative side, we see unmistakable camaraderie for an evil work. And God broke that up. But what about in the church? I got your back. Not we attack, we help, we lift up. Amen? When hearts are willing in submitting. Can I get an amen? That's the power of unity. The power of unity for the kingdom of God. Amen? Another way Satan steals God's word from us is to remind us of what we'll miss if we follow God. Hmm. That's what he did in the Garden of Eden. Remember Adam and Eve, and Eve, she ate of the fruit, we know the story, and I want you to think of this, Satan will always try to direct your focus on what you can't have. We were out hiking, we were up north, uh, Black Lake, in the beautiful, seeing the trees, and I kept looking at all the trees, and I started getting dizzy, (laughs) My daughter says, you got to look up, Dad, but there's snakes on the path, you know. And so, I, you know, But the leaves and all the beauty, and, and as we were walking that, but I just looked. There's so many trees, and every tree has a different leaf color and the beauty. And I just began to think about that, and I just think, as we were talking actually about this, that if I just picked out one tree of all this vast area, and God said, don't touch that and don't eat that. There's so much more. And that's what the enemy does. If he tells us not to do something, he's trying to hold something back, fun. He's trying to take something fun away from me. No, I've given you all of this. That's how the enemy works. He tries to say, and if you follow God wholeheartedly, you're going to miss out on life. And that is a direct lie from the truth. True life comes from following God. And I can't tell you how many people at the end of their life that they have followed that lie and their last breath is regret. Regret. Compounded regret. Someone needs to hear this. Compounded regret from thinking and believing that lie. Somebody need to hear that. Uh, I had something else I was going to get into that, but we'll just leave that alone. Number six, Satan tries to convince us that the word is not trustworthy. Even if we listen to the word... The enemy is whispering in our ears. Yeah. You don't have to worry about what you're hearing. It's not truth anyways. Hmm. Outdated book. There's so many errors and contradiction in the Bible. I mean, I heard Joe Rogan one time say, <clears throat> hallelujah. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> Outdated book. It's written by men. It's not inspired. You know, here's the thing. Atheists may have good questions. But Christians have great answers from the Word of God, if you're open to truth, if you're open to truth. You know, I think of when I, I, I had the blessed opportunity back in 1988, it was the 40th year of <clears throat> Israel as a nation, 40 years, from 1947, I believe that's 88, that's 40 years, i would say my calculations are correct. Anyhow, 1988. Uh, we went to Israel and we did a number of tours and one of them was in Qumran where the Dead Sea Scrolls in nineteen forty seven were discovered. Thousands of manuscripts. Some kid and I actually saw and the the, the, uh, the director there was pointing and said, see that cave? We couldn't get to it. It was high up. Some Bedouin kid came in, threw a stone in a hit and cracked a pot. And how many of you know God knows how to change <laughs> the world just by a kid throwing a stone at a pot? And they went in and they went, oh, my God, there's all these manuscripts of God's word. There was other things, marriage licenses, all these other. But they just kept very devout. These Essenes were very, very devout at that time around uh, shortly, you know, around the time of the birth of Christ. But they kept it and they kept all of the Old Testament written. And so at that time, we only had manuscripts that went to 1000 AD around that time. This brought it back 1,000 to 1,500 years before Christ, the Old Testament. Word for word, documentation that shows, wow. You know, there's stuff they teach in universities that idiots write. Right. And, they, and you walk out believing, come on, somebody. Yeah, right. We have documented truth that has gone for a millennial. All right? You can trust the Word of God. Amen. If there's something you don't understand it, just dig deep. Simply do a Google search. You can find out what does this mean? And you can find some commentaries to help you understand that. Very quickly, almost done here. Turn our attention to something else. He likes to do that. He likes to do that. So much else to do. Once again, the busyness, the busyness. Check your phone, text, and that that can possess you. I, I just it's just something. I don't, it's not going away. We're not saying that's it, I'm done with the phone. <laughs> I think my daughter was saying, you can't exist without an email. you got to have an email. You can't do anything without an email. Now, what got me in trouble is every year in my 40s, I started a new email. Mike Bart 47. Mike Bart 48. Mike family, what do you have all these emails? Like I thought, we're supposed to update emails. Now I have one. (laughs) They're still out there. You can't get rid of them. I mean, the point is this, is that uh, this busyness, somebody shout busy. Social media posts and none of these actions are wrong in and of themselves. Please hear me, please hear, me. because I, I do it at time and, and check on things and and uh, watch videos, a little baby chain, and laugh and cry, and you know th- 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 these are good things. They're not they're not bad, but they can possess us to a point if it turns us away from the Word of God. Yeah, that's right. That that's that's. Can I say is that in a life giving way? You gotta have. You have to have more of the Word in your life. <clears throat> some some reasons why people feel they need to be so busy. Number one, it's vanity. They want to feel like they're important. What? How are you doing? Oh, busy. Okay. Oh, busy. So bu- so busy. You have time to do the things you want to do. Amen. <laughs> but we, we want to. We, we, if we're busy, then we're important. <clears throat> Amen. The other thing would be laziness. You thought, what? They're so busy. How could they be lazy? Someone once said, when, um, he said, we, uh, with, uh, uh, excuse me, inactivity lets others decide our schedule for us rather than uh, putting in all the effort ourselves. So we let others decide and run our lives. Really, that's laziness on our part to not schedule and orchestrate our own life. Amen. How many still with me? I'm almost done. Number eight, two more. Resurrect this past week or last night's sin in our minds. <laughs> I'll say that again. The enemy likes to resurrect this past week's sin, or last night's sin, or this morning's sin before church. <laughs> Some of you know, get off that one really quick, Pastor Mike. Just go on to the next one. How many know the enemy has a way of reminding us? When we hear the word, but, well, that doesn't apply to you. You crossed the lines. You lost it. You're beyond God's forgiveness. That's a lie. And so he likes to, he likes to do this. And then number nine, he offers false confidence in our walk with God. and it, It's pride. Like, hey, you don't really need to listen to the word of God that's taught and preached. You know, you kind of already convince yourself. and You don't really need to hear anything else new. There's nothing new here I can receive. And so he he did that really the root of that is pride. And number ten, Satan creates fear in us. And he is doing that constantly, numerous ways. Fear of failure. You're not gonna make it. You're not gonna be able to pay for your house. You're gonna lose everything. This is gonna happen. That's gonna happen. This bad thing's gonna happen. And then all of a sudden, we're possessed with the feelings of fear and all of this anxiety. And then this health issues. What? what did they say? What's going on? Let me Google and see what Google says about that. That's the worst thing you can do. You are dying any day. You don't have but three weeks left to live. <laughs> right? And then I think of the many believers in other countries around the world and third world countries, and North Korea, the Middle East, China, Southeast Asia. They hear the word and this, the enemy is shouting very loudly in their ears. But this will cost your family if you believe. If you get water baptized, you may lose your life, your job. You may lose everything. And those are facts. And I've shared this before quickly about how the enemy creates fear, an illustration. uh, Some of you may remember back in the 1990s, we were in a Mardi Gras outreach. We took a team, and I was actually standing on Bourbon Street. And it was actually after we got out there, it was the beginning of the outreach, and we usually get out there by around noon or 1 that next day. So it was a Saturday. I can remember it well. So I had Saturday night. I had Sunday Uh, going out in the streets Monday and then Fat Tuesday and then we come back and so it's the beginning of the outreach and so I'm standing there and it's busy and some people come by but not really much has happened and so some guy out of nowhere comes and he comes quickly up to me and I have a placard there and he just goes speaks very clearly in my ear if you are here tomorrow I'm going to kill you and then he walks away I mean I didn't have time to say anything to him He he was gone and I don't even remember what the placard said or whatever, something, you know, about the Lord. And, and then so, so we had to leave, you know, that afternoon and eat, and then we'd bunker down and come the next day. And so all the while, people are laughing, they are talking. How many know what's going on in my mind? Am I going to go to that same spot, or I'm just going to go, I'm going to allow fear. I went, grabbed that placard, and I stood right in the same spot, put it down, and said, bring it on, devil. And he never showed up. <clears throat> but I'm not minimizing this. It was fearful. You know, you don't know when you're having tens of thousands of people. You know, what, who's going to do what? I mean, you're, you're vigilant, but, you know, anyhow. The enemy uses fear. Stand with me if you would, please. Now, the point sharing all these is not so much the way Satan works. Here's what you need to hear as we conclude. Worship team, you come forward. <clears throat> The enemy is working every time the word of God is proclaimed. Excuse me, proclaim. Every time the enemy is working. To get you diverted to not come to church. To get you, watch this, staying up late Saturday night. Amen. Amen. And, and, and so what happens is, it's like, oh, I could stay up late Saturday night. You're exhausted someday, Sunday morning. You got heavy eyelids. The enemy worked you. The enemy worked you. He stole the word. Cuz you just like, "Oh, I'm so exhausted." Amen somebody. <laughs> if he had bowed, please. What does that mean? It means we need to as we face the week look forward to Sunday morning and prepare our hearts and our minds and our bodies. That we're going to be able to minister. Not come in like a thousand lions and bears have been chasing us all week and they may have they may have but we need to prepare our minds and our hearts to be rested if you fought with your spouse at least try to make amends I did pastor but it was late well thank God for forgiveness amen <laughs> thank you God I'm just going to conclude with this one statement here that you can look up as I read it everything. Somebody shout everything. You need to again be in the image of a heavenly father is given to you the moment you accepted Jesus Christ. All you have to do from that point on is to become outwardly who you already are inwardly in your spirit man. That is good news. With every head bowed now. Colossians 2 10 as I pray. In him you have been made complete. Achieving spiritual stature through Christ. He is the head over all rule and authority of every angelic and earthly power. God has given and equipped you to become what he's predestined, ordained for you to come. The only thing that can hijack that is your soul, my soul. If we allow it to run our life and not allow the word of God to have free course in our life in Jesus' name. You're here this morning David every head bowed say, Pastor, I, I'm not right with the Lord. You talked about this, this thing about being, say, being converted. I may have never heard that. Different terms for you. I want to invite. I want God in my life. I, I want to be, I know it's a Christian term, born again, but I want God in my life. I, I want the Lord. If that's you here this morning with every head bowed, we're going to pray corporately. And what you're doing is you're inviting God in your life god almighty and he says i will put my spirit into your spirit and i will i will transform your spirit i will take death out of it and i will put life in it that's what's going to happen in other words i'm going to delete everything that's bad on your hard drive in your spirit man or woman and then i'm going to deposit i'm going to upload my spirit inside you fast high speed it's high speed Really quick. Super high speed. Doesn't take years. It's immediately. as you here today. You say, you know what? I want God. Pray with me as we pray together corporately. Say this. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Come into my spirit. Save me. Fill me with your presence. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it. I confess today that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. Amen.